All right, everybody. It's been a while. It's been a few weeks. I'm your host, Theo Frith of Raven Temple of CX Wicca and Raven Tree Treewalker, the Order of Standing Oak. And you're here with me for pretty much the end of summer episode of uh, Pagan Perspective. And on this episode tonight, we're going to give you some great music and things, so look forward to that. But we're also, the topic of the show tonight is the journey of a witch. And, you know, we talk about all these things where it's like, you know, we talk about ritual and spell casting and, and meditation and all these other kinds of things. But still, it's like, you know, there's things that are deeper than that that we have to look forward to, you know, on our journey. And now, another thing, just so that I don't have anybody being upset, everything that I'm going to talk about tonight is applicable to can be applicable to anybody but for the most part i'll say that this is stuff with me so that i don't protect project the idea that i know what every witch's journey is going to be exactly like i don't know that i mean each individual each individual which lives their life i don't live their life so it's like you know so everybody's journey is different but there's a lot of things that tie it together and, you know, and this is not taking into the con- context. For me, a journey of a witch is anybody. It's a witch, Wiccan, whatever. Wiccans are witches. I don't want to debate that whole thing. Uh, the differences between a Wiccan and anybody else is Wiccans in, in, incorporate the gods into it. Witchcraft doesn't need the gods. But, you know, for me, the gods kind of work. I mean, you know, I've seen so many people that were kind of smug about that. But we're going to talk about, you know, the things about, and, we, you know, we are going to talk about ritual and things like that. But it's like um, the idea of where does our journey really start, you know. And I think for me the idea of that was, you know, for and this is for a lot of people. I'm not saying everybody, but for a lot of people, the idea that one time we were underneath the auspices of, you know, doing some kind of Christian worship. Some kind. doesn't matter what it is. Mormonism, Baptists, Pentecostals, whatever. I was a Pentecostal, which is Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, one of the original churches that believed in drinking strychnine and handling rattlesnakes. They were one of the first denominations that brought that into the United States. But, you know, after going through everything that I did, you know, when I'm in my younger years as, you know, a Christian, I mean, there were some cool people that I knew and some stuff happened. But, like, my thing that just kind of, you know, that got to me, there for a while I was even aspiring to be a preacher. But I think the one thing that, for me, that kind of just threw it off was the idea that I couldn't get answers to questions. I had a... One night I sat in the church parking lot in the truck of my pastor and asked him some stuff. And he goes, and you know, he was, because he was hearing that I was wanting to go preach at a revival. And he goes, well, you know, uh, this, that, and the other thing. It's like, you know, I asked him some questions. And, and all he could really do was explain it as a preacher and put it to me with Bible verses and all that stuff. And for me, it just that didn't work because 
I knew that there were answers that were outside of the Bible that any Christian could have still stole, but they, you know, it's just like if it doesn't come from that book, then it doesn't register. So I had to kind of take that into mind and looking at the ideas of how Christians, uh, you know, view deity, how Christians view, uh, you know, the fabric of life and things like that. It's the idea that, you know, uh, the earth is expendable and that God is going to re refurbish it and do it like they do on flips where they flip the houses. You know, he's going to put out all the bad people in hell and then he's going to flip everybody's house into something nice, you know. And that whole thing, it's like there was a lot of repression that I saw in the Bible and stuff. And it's just things like, why would a, a perfect God make an imperfect creation in, in Satan? You know, if you make the guy that wants to take you off of your throne, that's not a perfect action. But anyway, besides that, so it comes to the point of, you know, those of us that have come up in that background, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, we are looking for answers that we can't find within monotheistic practice. And we've come to, like I was invited to a bell tank. You know, everybody has some way that they came into witchcraft or paganism or Ozatru or any magical path. There was something, there was a catalyst for it. And mine was being invited to a Beltane ritual late on a very dark and almost stormy. It acted like it wanted the storm, but it never did. And we pulled up on the ritual site in this beautiful camp area. And I remember everybody that was in, at the ritual, the priest and high priestess, and everybody were dancing around the circle. The fire was huge fire. It was beautiful. And they were uh, singing to the gods. And every so often at the end of every line that they were singing to the gods, they would go, that's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. So they even made ritual fun by adding Casey and the Sunshine Band. That was my coven, Greenleaf, where I originally started. And the reason why that came about was because I was kind of, you know, living in a mission, living in a, in a, you know, in a homeless shelter that was run by Christians. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I just, I had to learn things for myself. And when we went to that Beltane ritual, the main thing that came up into my head was the idea of, like, are they going to eat any kids? Or is anybody going to kiss each other, kiss each other's ass, or whatever it is? You know, they say that we we kiss the ass of Satan. You know, the 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 satanic high salute or whatever they call it. And um, you know, and when I saw these people, you know, and I met them and I talked to them around the campfire after the ritual, talked to the high priestess's daughter, talked to the high priestess, talked to my high priest that night. And, got, and, and the thing that kind of made it a little bit more was the fact that these people were open and receptive. And they invited me to uh, some classes that were coming up and some drummings. And my very first drumming with my coven was just unbelievable. I never knew about drumming. I never knew about some of these things that, you know, that pagans do, you know. I didn't know it, but I just thought it was incredible. And, you know, that's the first steps of the journey is coming to the realization that there's something else out there 
and that why not explore it? You realize I've been pagan longer. I've been a witch longer. I've been a druid longer, uh, a ceremonial magician, anything longer than I ever was as a uh, Christian. And the reason for that is because I don't really see myself going back to Christianity for any reason. The whole thing is just, I just, I can't, I can't in good conscience, you know, uh, do that, you know. And that's for me. There are Christian witches out there. That's great. But, you know, it's like for me as far as going into a straight on like Christian mode, as it were. No, I can't do that. You know, I have Raven Temple that we are working very closely together. We have two initiates, possible more in the future. Um, we've got the and thank you guys so much, man. The podcast is blowing up and I'm just like, you know. There will be times where I would get like one or two listens for for uh, like two or three days. And then all of a sudden here this last week, I've had as many as like 27 listens in one day and one 24 hour period. And, you know, that's you know, that's not a lot. But since we're so such a very small show in the podcast arena, you know, and it's like people have kind of sought out Raven Temple because of our YouTube channel. And stuff like that. So it was just like, it was so cool to see the show starting to take off. I want to thank you guys for that. And before we continue, that I encourage you guys to pass this show off to your friends, coven mates, grove mates, you know, people within your tradition. You know, let them hear the show. And, you know, give us feedback. If you'd like to let us know what you think of the show, you can send me an email to sylvanus93syl. V-A-N-U-S-93 at hotmail.com and, uh, you know, let me know what you think of the show. If you have any questions about witchcraft, there was a young man that heard the podcast and he lives in Utah. I can't, I won't name his name because I don't want to, you know, put anything out there, but this was just within the last few days. And he was so glad to start finding out information because he lives in a high, well, hell, Utah is highly Mormon and stuff. And so, He's kind of under scrutiny if he would ever try to openly practice or learn anything. So he's contacted and and stuff like that all because of this podcast. So I thank you guys so much for checking it out. And there's going to be a lot more. And there's going to be a lot more videos coming out onto the YouTube channel. Which everything that uh, I need to give you guys information for will be put in the show liner. Once we get done recording, I'll put all that information in there. But, you know, that's the beginnings. You know, that's the thing of, like, meeting people. And then, of course, there's other ways of, like, you're with a friend and you're at a shopping mall and you see an occult bookstore and you go in there and you see a book with a pinnacle on it in the New Age section and it talks about witchcraft and something, a light bulb goes off over your head so you might get a book on witchcraft, a book on, on tarot, a book on, on, on crystals and herbs and things like that. Because it's stuff that, you know, you just want to see what it's all about, you know. And it's like, that's a very good thing because, you know, we should find out the wisdom of the mysteries, you know. Learn from people. Get out there and if you see a coven or a grove having a, an open ritual night, Ritual celebrations in town, you know, 
vet them a little bit first, but once you kind of get that green light feeling, go meet these people because these are going to be the ones that can help you, you know, answer questions that you may have as someone who's new to this, you know. This is your beginning stages of learning what your spirituality is. And that's an incredible thing. Like I said, I've been at this for going on 36, 37 years now. And the thing that's really cool about that is I haven't, it, it's like, you know, some things, some religious things you get tired of looking into. You just not big of a study onto it. But magic and the gods and the old ways and stuff, every bit of information that I can get is so important. It's like, it's what helps, it, what helps to guide my mind in in certain areas to where I can figure out where I fit into this I think another thing is like I realized the once I realized I was a spiritual person that I could look at my soul and kind of see what through my astrology and different things to see what my soul was about and you know even though the fact that I don't follow a Christian tradition it's like I am, you know, predisposed to some kind of religious, spiritual, uh, clerical things. I've been a priest now since, uh, it is coming up on 2024. I'm going to say right at about, I've been a priest actively in Druidry and in witchcraft and other traditions since the year 2000. And we're coming up on... Oh, on 2004, 24 here in a bit. So 24, but then again, if I had some, there were some couple other things that kind of uh, could have um, distinguished that a little bit that for things that happened uh, after my initiation with the coven and stuff like that. And um, it, you know, it was just like, I was, I asked my high priestess, Amber, just a great lady, and I asked my high priest, Shamash, you know, about things. And my high priestess and my high priest, Shamash, and, and Amber are both gone. They're gone to the next world, waiting to come back. And I know that they will, but they were, the, they were some of the people and their daughter, Kate, and the whole family, the whole coven. But I think that whole thing was a learning experience because... We were a tribe, man. We were a family. We worked magic together. I saw magic that we had done for sick people, healings. Uh, we had our own coven members. Uh, my best friend got Bell's palsy, and it was horrible. It hit him kind of hard for a while. And, you know, so we did healing work for him. And we have other friends that, you know, had uh, uh, HIV and some that were crippled and, and different things like that, you know. And it was just like, so we dealt with a lot of adversity. But I think the thing that held it all together is when you looked at the core of what we did, it was for love, man. We loved it. We loved each other. We would do anything. My best friend got bailed out of jail four times for driving without a license by our high priestess. Twice, my best friend's car broke down and his wife needed a, a, a ride to work. And people within the coven 
loaned his wife, my best friend's wife, a car so that she could go do her job to take care of her and her husband and stuff like that. Because that was around the time that he, he, you know, Steve had the Bell's palsy, and it wasn't it wasn't fun. It was really kind of debilitating, and you know, it hit him for a, not a, not a year or anything, but more than a couple months. It was it was quite quite a traumatic thing. But you know, we saw I saw magic. In the rituals, I've seen magic happen in my high priest's living room, high priestess's living room, for new moon rituals and, and full moon rituals and stuff like that. And when you can see and feel and know that that magical energy is out there and you know it's real and you can and you can work with it in a way that is beneficial to you and the earth and the gods and your friends and their families... This is a, our spirituality, I believe, is pagans, witches, druids, everything like that. I believe that our purpose with what we do, spiritual people, is to impart some kind of goodness and sanity on the world. We're kind of like the people that are there to hold the threads of time together. You know what I mean? We're here to fight for the Mother Earth whenever people rape her you know, the oil and everything that's going on, all these hurricanes, people are dying in Maui from f massive fires because the government didn't want to take care of the indigenous people there and things like that. So we've had a really strange thing that's been going on here for these last five years. But, you know, that's our journey, you know, uh, for a lot of us. Some people are teachers and things like that. But I think down in the core, we know that we are like the defenders. We're the captain planet of the earth, you know. We're the people that are going to speak out for the ones that are disenfranchised. Blacks, Latinos, Asians, LGBTQ, you name it. We've got uh, women, uh, so many uh, uh, things that are going on, uh, you know, that are hurting our country. And I think with people that are magical like we are, um, our journey can lead us into uh, just a lot of things. And um, it's like, you know, it's those early points that uh, strengthen you too. I think the greatest uh, amount of our power is, is sown within us as we are new because we're receptive and we're open and our spiritual pores are wide, able to take all of that energy of the earth and the gods into us and put it back out to our brothers and sisters and to the earth and to the animals and spirits and everything that needs us. That is so freaking cool. Um, you know, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to kind of talk about where my journey is, the way that I see a lot of things are with a lot of pagans these days that... Are, are just taking incredible journeys on their, themselves that I've seen. And what the future, you know, where pagans can have their journey go. I believe that one of the main things that a witch does is prepare their soul for their next life. And that's what we're doing here now is by, by, by showing love, compassion, and helping everyone. That's what's going to build our karmic pool that will bring us into a better situation when we come back to the world after after we pass into our next forms. 
And so it's like I think that's very important to know what to expect. What is the path that I can take or that I can observe others on and understand why I am a witch, why I am a druid, why I do the things the way I do. We're going to talk about some of the more mundane, well, not mundane, but just more building block stuff of the path of witchcraft. And I think some of the things is like learning about the beginnings of learning about magic, ritual, things like that. Also, understanding the wheel of the year. For those of us that do invoke the gods, we are an Anglo-Saxon heathen coven. We follow the tradition of Siax Wicca as brought forth in the tree, written by Dr. Raymond Buckland in 1974, which it is uh, his own tradition uh, that he incorporated himself after he left the Gardnerian tradition. Basically, Raymond Buckland and uh, some others were the were the main progenitors of uh, Gardnerian witchcraft in the eastern seaboard in the early 1960s, early to mid-1960s. And so it's like, so there is a foundation there of witchcraft principles. He's also the author of Buckland's Complete Book of Witchcraft, otherwise known as Big Blue, uh, published and uh, uh, distributed by Llewellyn Worldwide. I have a copy. I'm looking at it. It's about five feet away. It's an indispensable book, I believe, for anybody. Even for people that are new on the journey, I think you can still get a lot out of it. Um, and also another book that I highly recommend is uh, uh, Wicca for the, uh, Wicca for the uh, Solitary by um, Rem Buckland and uh, Living Wicca by Scott Cunningham, which... Uh, believe it or not, everybody says that he was Wicca-lite. No, Scott Cunningham was not Wicca-lite. He was initiated in four different spiritual traditions. Plus, he was also a member of the OTO. He was uh, a Hawaiian Huna. He was also an initiate of the Coven Uchela Twig. And a couple other uh, uh, kind of Gardnerian English traditional witchcraft traditions um, that were... Uh, in California and on the uh, East Coast as well. So we have that to, uh, you know, have as a guide. And there are other, so many authors. That's one thing is like, look, if you're wanting to kind of see what it is to read, um, you know, look on Amazon and just type in the word witchcraft. And they will have so many books on there. And there's some of that is crap. Every, there's some stuff that is fanciful that, you know, the people who are writing don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. But there are a lot of really good, solid uh, uh, authors out there with, with you know, understanding witchcraft as uh, a family, even for witchcraft for those that have kids. If you're walking on the path of a mother and father and you want to share your your beliefs with your kids until they become of an age where they can go start to walk on their journey. But I'm a firm believer that as pagans, we should be able to, um, you know, to impart the mysteries to our children so that they can understand, you know, a little bit of something before they come into their own realization. Because, you know, I don't expect my kids, I don't have any kids, but if I did, I wouldn't expect my kids to, you know, follow exactly what I do just because I do. 
I want them to have their own freedom as well. And that's another thing I think one of the main things that we need to know about the journey of a witch is it is there's freedom in it. There's no we are not shackled by power. We unleash it into the universe for our wills and the things that we want for ourselves and our family. We aren't afraid to ask for things for to better our health, to better our mind, to better our family and friends. That's the thing that's great about being a pagan. We're following the energies of the earth that give back to us. If, if, if we give out that positivity, positive things come back within the magic that we work. And that develops us. That strengthens our resolve and our knowledge within the paths of the craft. So, oh yeah, there is a lot that we're going to be talking about tonight because I think understanding where your path as a witch can take you is just one of the coolest things because you go, wow, you know, I would have never thought that for myself. But we're going to talk about that a lot more here in just a minute. But we're going to go ahead and give this clip a stop and give you guys the next tune. And then after this, we'll come back to the show here on Pagan Perspectives. Welcome back. Oh, man, I love this music. we got some good music coming through the rest of the podcast. Um, 
But yeah, tonight we're talking about uh, the journey of a witch. The many possible journeys of a witch. And, you know, once we, once we get past that initial, you know, stage of meeting people, getting the ideas in our head about what we want to understand about witchcraft, we get the books, we start to look into things, uh, we come to classes and stuff like that. The next part is that we have to kind of figure out where do we fit in, in, in the way that the world kind of uh, apportions to witches. Are we going to be a solitary witch? Working with ourselves, working with our own home, with our own plants, uh, working in our own secret places, working our magic with the gods alone, under the moon, and, you know, developing ourselves that way. Or do you feel one of those ur people that have the urge to you know, seek out others that are worshiping or looking at the universe in the way that you are interested in. You know, there are so many different paths. There's Celtic Druidry. There's Celtic Witchcraft. There's Norse Ozatru, and there's Norse Witchcraft, and there is Hellenic Paganism, and there is Anglo-Saxon Traditions, and other heathen heathen uh, traditions and things, and there is Dianic witchcraft, and there is uh, queer and lesbian uh, uh, traditions of witchcraft. There are just so many people that have, over the years, influenced some of the leaders that we have in the covens that have just been so instrumental out there. People such as Reverend Terry Riley. In uh, Arkansas, and Gavin and Von Frost, um, and people like Starhawk, and oh gosh, it, you know, and Alaric Albertson, and other some writers, and uh, Prudence Priest, he's a priestess in California. There's just been so many people that have worked to, you know, improve. And expand. And Selena Fox with Pagan Spirit Gathering. You know, that's an icon that has been going on for many, many, many years. The the Circle uh, Pagan uh, Spirit Gathering is now in Missouri, in my state where I live. And which I need to go eventually before I die. But um, I want to go and, and see what that's about. But it's like you have so many of these people. Uh, Oberon Zell. And so on and so forth. You have these people that are in, involved in the witchcraft community um, that are out there. Reverend Don Lewis and others that are out there with the Corellian tradition. And, and you know, some of the, the Gardnerians on the East Coast and some of the Narugd and OTO and things like that on the West Coast. It's like there is such a varied community of insight out there that can you know help us follow where our heart is our hearts lie are we a solitary as a true or are we a person looking to find those that are into celtic witchcraft that kind of thing you know where where does our heart lie within that you know and then once you start looking at that then you start to realize okay well the path has started now so it's like one of the things that a lot of us witches do that 
honor the gods and the seasons. We follow the seasons. We follow the wheel of the year. You know, everything from uh, Yule to Ostara to Beltane to Midsummer to Lugnasad to Mabon, back to Samhain. And, you know, the, the, the full moons and the new moons and the, uh, you know, the mystical times when the comets pass the earth, eclipses, all of these different things that we add, that adds to that energy, those energies of the cosmos that influence the tides of the places, the, 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 the earth itself and how it feeds us spiritually, our energy you know, is, is increased the more that we, you know, seek to follow the gods, to look and, and to divine the future and to work with the astrological and, and the uh, ideas of working with our guides and understanding the meaning of life, you know, what that means for those of us that believe that there is more than one existence, that there is one soul many lifetimes, and so it's like, and that uh, we have, we have just as much of an influence on our existence as anyone else does, you know. And so that's where that that influence right there is the things that cause us to become interested in learning more about herbalism and magical metals and crystals and you know earth-centered uh, energy meditations. And things like that. You may hear a train in the background, but well, that makes this show that more real. Uh, but it's like, you know, we learn about what it's like to let someone into the circle, to cast the to, to cast the circle, to call the quarters, to invoke the god and goddess of the ritual, uh, to uh, form the cakes and ale, to clear the temple, to ground the energy. And to take to heart what the ritual was for, whether we were honoring our ancestors or honoring a goddess, uh, it's like that's an important thing. Um, that kind of shapes our journey, um, you know. And then we kind of have to look, okay, so we're understanding that we're solitary or we could be in a Covenant or Grover group, but we're also looking about ourselves as who we are when we get up in the morning and put on our pants and go to work. One very important thing that a lot of people might not think of whenever they go to work, but now that they are following the gods, that they're seeking the mysteries, and they're looking more and more for the old ways, the ancient ancient times, is the idea that I'm a bus driver and I'm a witch. I'm a nurse and I'm a witch. I know many nurses that are witches. My best friend's wife, which I will not name, but she works at a local uh, hospital, has been for years. I know people that are pagan police officers, um, store owners, and everything. And one of those, what, what I'm saying that for is our path can put us in a public situation at any time. You know, it's like we understand, yeah, it's great that we do things in ritual, and we study, and we burn candles and whatever, but there's magic that we can do and direct towards our fellow men and women and children of the earth whenever we're just around them. You know, making somebody smile 
or sending some energy to somebody who's having a depressing day, a headache, or just trouble with their family and stuff like that. You know, we don't have to be having waving a pinnacle around or whatever, but we can send the energy of the gods and the energy of the earth and ourselves to them to help them out, to help their kids. Sometimes parents, their kids are having trouble in school with bullies and things like that. You can bring the, the, the power of the gods to come down and protect those kids, keep them out of harm's way. Or if the kid's having trouble with school, to bring the gods of wisdom in their sleep and let them to help them to learn better, to relieve stress of the child. Because for these days, you know, when kids go to school, it is a very, very stressful time. A hundred thousand times more so than it was when I was a kid. So it's like, you know, that little bit of magic that we can put out there without waving the pinnacle to everybody is like, oh, that's important, you know, because that shows us that we walk the walk as well as talk the talk, you know, that we are, you know, spiritual people that are putting this into practice. Because that's the other thing. I, I've known people that want to do the spiritual side, which is great, but they don't want to do the practice, which, hey, that's cool too. It's like if you just want to read about it, you're still on that path, and eventually things will come around. So even if you just read about witchcraft and paganism, you're still on the path, but it's just like it's like at, at some point, and it happened to me, it's just like you couldn't, you couldn't not. You couldn't do your first meditation. You could not do your first small spell, um, your first small ritual to the gods or whatever. And it's like and the reason why people don't is because they're afraid, fear. Our, our people have gotten so fearful. The pagan communities when I was younger were just so, I would hate to say it, just vibrant and, and out there and fun. And now everybody's hiding behind their cell phones and afraid of the guy living next door and all this stuff, and it's just like, it's sad because I see so many vibrant communities that I would just like, guys, come and give our community a shot in the arm, would you? You know, because it's like, we've had some upheavals with some things here in, in where I live, and so it does kind of fracture stuff, but it's like, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do unashamedly is because, you know, putting out this podcast and putting out the YouTube channel, and also priesting the rituals and everything for folks that come. Like this coming up in September, we have our next bloat. It is house, house bloat, which is September 22nd. And that's going to be to be a part of the second part of the three harvest before uh, the it's uh, winter finding, winter nights, and Samhain. So this middle one is the second harvest which is the beginning of, of, of uh, dealing with, with the meat and things like that. And then Samhain is the slaughter of the cattle and everything. The final harvest is uh, being put up, locked away for the long, cold winters uh, and, and waiting for the return of spring. And it's like, you know, so you've got that. And then you have the light time of the year when it comes into... You know, the, the, the joy that we get to put out to people for Yule. Because everybody can kind of just chill for a little bit. And just be themselves. And just enjoy it. I love the reaction of little kids for Yule. It's like, I'll tell you a story. One year we had Yule at the Covenstead. 
and we the house was packed. I'm talking in this little house we probably had at least 30 or more people in it. It was wall to wall and a bunch of those people that were in the house were little kids and the high priestess and my best friend's wife and high priestess's daughter and some other ladies got the kids in there and had brought uh, the rollout tubes of cookie dough so that the kids could make some quick little cookies and snacks, little things for ritual. So the kids were baking cookies. They had made several good batches. And I'm sitting in the front room watching TV with the other men folk and some other folks that were there. And we were going to get ready to do some drumming and things like that. And then all of a sudden, I have little kids walk in with big cookies stacked about an inch and a half high with that great flavored fondant. That really sweet, sugary that they use for like making cakes and stuff. And they go, a couple of them come to we made this for you, Uncle Tim. I'm like, oh my God. It was the cutest thing. And these little ones gave me the cookies. And I'm sitting on the couch. And I'm eating as the, the sugary part of the fondant kind of disintegrates. And just starts going all over my robes and everything. So I kind of had to wipe them off with a deal. But it was so cute because I ate those two. And then just before we had ritual and then moved on to dinner. And then after dinner, Father Father Yule came out and did a story for the kids and gave them some presents and stuff. But it was like just before that time, uh, I had one more kid come out and uh, bring me a cookie. Oh, trying not to sneeze. Oh, excuse me. Real life, folks. But it was so cute because the little one that brought me the last cookie sat there next to my lap with kind of with the head up against my shoulder. And she was just like looking up at me, waiting for me to finish her cookie. So I had a wee little pagan child in my lap waiting for me to give her the thumbs up on her Yule cookie. And I still had a meal to eat after ritual. But, you know, most men were good eaters. So it was that's just the beautiful side of it. Watching the little kids running around playing games in the high priestess's backyard. And, and ritual, uh, we did a ritual in the park uh, that was uh, with the Druid Grove that we have here in town. And we had about 45-ish people in circle. And a bunch of them were kids that were under... Uh, like under 16 years old, there was a family that came with three, uh, two older sisters, two old little brothers, and a little sister. So there was five kids, and we did the ritual. It was a hot day. Matter of fact, it was a hot Beltane day, as a matter of fact. And um, I did a thing where we talked about the kids and stuff like that. And uh, the family that came with the with the five kids, the two da- older daughters and the younger kids, they had never been to really anything that big for a ritual. And after uh, we finished the ritual, and I had to start cleaning everything up off the altar and stuff. All of the kids come up and their mom's kind of standing back there watching. And the oldest daughter goes, hi, we really liked being in your ritual. And the little boys go, yeah, that was way cool. Can you do it again? I go, oh, yeah, we're going to be doing it again, just not today and stuff. And uh, uh, the, the, one, the middle girl goes, 
yeah, my mom's taking us to other rituals, but, you know, this one was pretty cool. And we had a thing where we had the little crafts for the kids where they could make little uh, pots to put seeds in, and they painted them with flowers and put, you know, car, uh, construction paper and all that stuff on it. And I was over there, and that family was getting ready to leave, and uh, uh, the two little boys, the, all of the kids came, but the two little boys were hauling ass across the grass, and they ran into the thing where I'm sitting there at the table, and they go, we're getting ready to go, and the, old, the older girls were coming in. We're getting ready to go, but we wanted to say goodbye and stuff. And right when they said that, both of those little dudes are on either side of me and giving me a hug across each other. And the two girls came up and they go, uh, kind of, you know, just kind of sheepishly going, yeah, we're going to take them home and get them uh, a bath and, and get them some dinner and let them play some video games and stuff. But it was like, and my mom says that she's going to come to some more rituals. She goes, we don't know if we'll get to go because it depends on my dad and stuff like that. I think maybe they were separated or something like that. But And they and those little boys hugging like, we like you. And it's just like putting out such good energy to little children. People that didn't know me from Adam. And, you know, that just made me feel so good because they understood. Little kids, little pagan kids understand ritual they understand energy they understand magical energy because they don't disbelieve there's none of that non-believing stuff in it when something comes down and they see it and they hear it and they feel it they're gonna let you know they're gonna show you with love i have had so many i've had pagan friends show me love i had a friend of ours my me and my best friend steve we had a, a friend of ours named Mark, and he went to Beltane's with us where we camped and stuff. But he was a very, very, very good cook. And he would wake us up at 4 o'clock in the morning, knocking on everybody's door, because we kind of all lived in the same part complex, to come downstairs, and he would fix, up, fix us uh, big old coffee mocha frappuccino floats with big old ice cream in them at 4 o'clock in the morning, or I may remember one time before Samhain, um, I'm asleep in my on my couch in my living room, and there's a door that you can see going out to the front of my apartment. And I hear a knock on the door, and I look out there, and there's Mark with his face painted up like the crow from the movie. And he's knocking, get up, I've got something for you. So I get up, and I go open the door, and he's standing there with a, a dinner plate, and he pulls the little sheet off the top of it. And he had made me a butterfly pork chop. Big butterfly pork chop, by the way. With uh, spices. And it had been braised with lemon slices across the top of it. And then, right next to that, he had a great big uh, side order of like a beautiful wild rice pilaf with button mushrooms. And just this beautiful sauce. And then he goes, whenever you get down, done with that, you need to bring the plate back downstairs because you got to sit down there with us because I'm not going to let you take the, the, the bowls that are in because he kind of kiped them from work and wasn't really supposed to have them. But he, 
had me come down, and for dessert, he had made a homemade chocolate tiramisu. Have you ever had a, a, a witchy friend wake you up with a butterfly pork chop, wild rice with button mushrooms, and homemade chocolate tiramisu? I have, and it was great. It was just so many wonderful people. You know, elders that came to town that were available and worked with us for various rituals and things that we did for the community. We had a, a cable access show. I've acted on the cable access show. It's called The Pagan Pagan Show. And what the heck, I might, uh, in the uh, show notes, put a clip of that in there so that you guys can see that as well to see the older years of, of where I came from as a witch. And it was so cool because we were helping the... The main reason why that we did the Pagan Pagan Show and put it out on cable access for like eight years or nine years or whatever it was, was so that the pagan so that the people of Springfield would know that we're normal people, that we're not going to come out and take your kids or do any kind of mean things to the kids and what have you, you know, we're just going to, uh, you know, want to live peacefully. We've had Pagan Pride Day picnics, and I have done picnics. We've done Beltane in the Park since uh, 2016, and we've had uh, Maypoles. We've got pictures. I will link to some pictures and stuff. It was just like, and it's beautiful to see the Pagan community when it comes together, the adults, the children, the drumming, the laughter, the reverence in circle and stuff, just, and, and, and the joy in circle, the dancing, the drumming, the energy, and knowing that the gods and the spirits are watching that are and are there participating with you, and that if you just listen for a minute, just stand still in the middle of all the chaos range because everybody's going to be doing a little bit of everything. But you'll pick it up. You will definitely pick it up. And yeah, so we're going to take a break for a minute. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of an advertisement for friends of mine that have a great pod, uh, podcast. It's the Celtic Myth Pod Show. And then we'll come back and we'll get into the next portion of our The Journey of a Witch discussion. So I will see you guys here in just a minute. Do you have Celtic roots? Are your ancestors from Ireland or Scotland or Wales? From Cornwall, Brittany, the Isle of Man or Gaul? Do you love stories and tales? Ancient myths, legends and folklore of the Celtic peoples? Do you want to hear more about King Arthur, Gwydion, Taliesin, Cuchulain, wild magic and the realms of the other world? Do you want to hear about the old gods, druids and fairies in a way that they're not just dusty, dry words on a page? Then you need the Celtic Myth Podshow, available from CelticMythPodshow.com. In the days when the world was young, the days when the air was clean and the dew was fresh upon the grass. Listen well, for I have tidings for you. Warriors are coming from across the sea. Strange. Take this message back with you. Tell the Fearbold they must give my people either battle 
or live in peace in half of Erin. On my word, I should prefer to give you half of Erin than to face your weapons. The Celtic myth Pocho will bring you the bravery of heroes and heroines, the magnificent pantheon of gods and goddesses, and the magic and wonder of druids, fairies, and folklore. Our ancestors would listen to these stories as told to them by their bards. They wouldn't read them in books. This podcast brings the magic of sound back into our legends. A new episode comes out twice a month and builds into a complete collection of tales from Celtic mythology. So just sit down, get comfortable, and join us every other week. Listen to news, chat, and a story from Celtic mythology with the Celtic Myth Podshow from CelticMythPodshow.com. That's CelticMythPodshow.com. All right, we are back. That was Celtic Myth Podshow. It's a very cool podcast. <clears throat> I think another thing that is that is very important about my journey uh, as a witch is the idea of working with the gods, you know, understanding their energy, what they bring to the world, and everything that I follow, my druidic side, my... Anglo-Saxon side, Woden and Freya, Dogda and Morgan, you know, Kernunos, Caradwin, you know, all the goddesses, the night goddesses, the lunar goddesses, and stuff, you know, so cool. The the idea of the green man, uh, Robin Hood, uh, that whole hero of the people, the pagan Anglo-Saxon hero of the people that was just, you know, so cool. I think all that folklore, that's what makes it so cool for some things with witchcraft and stuff. Understanding the lore of a spell and where it comes from and when it was used and all this stuff and you're going, oh wow, you're really, it's you're learning the history of what that spell's about. There are spells that are way, way ancient and that people are finding out about. And so a lot of lot more stuff is being disseminated out to the magical community, you know. And <clears throat> that right there is just like changing things magically by like leaps and bounds. That's why I think it's so cool, the resources that are available for people to meet and understand the things that they need to understand, you know, as a witch, as a pagan, as a priest, as a priestess, whatever. This is great for people, you know, to look at as the eyes of those that are in, you know, their path leads them to this clergy, you know, working as a priest or priestess or as a head druid within a grove or order or whatever, you know, you've got people that are there with you and it's putting their energy together every time that you are together and it goes out. That energy is like, you get it going the right way. It's like a beacon. And it's like once, because yeah, it's it's great while you know what's going on then, but then the after path is, 
watching and seeing how it works. The casting and, and the working is the easy part. Being able to understand as a witch how, how and why it manifests and when it manifests. Those are important things because that's what keeps the valves in check for us uh, magically to enhance our energy whenever we do work magic and when that we do work with the spirits of the earth and things like that, that we have a greater understanding of what we're doing. And yeah, so that's a very, very, very important, important thing. And I think for priests and priestesses that are growing in the energies of their gods, that's the thing we need. We've got to get people that are starting to get plugged in and that are getting the really good energy together because things aren't so great. And I want, I don't want people to hurt. I don't want people to suffer. I want people to live good lives until their next life and onward and upwards. You know what I mean? So it's like, I want to do as much as I can to help while I can, because if you don't, there's going to come a point when you can't, you won't be able to. You won't be able to help in the way that you could now because, you know, things can go sideways in a minute. You know, we're seeing it in all kinds of places around the world and in our own country. So it's like we, as pagans, we, have, we do kind of have to be on our tippy toes, you know, keeping an eye on the climate <clears throat> in our home state, in our hometowns and things like that because... Sometimes these people in these towns that are very conservative and stuff can make lives of pagans in the area nightmares. They've done it, you know, messing with people's kids, messing with people's property and stuff like that. That's stuff that's not cool in my book, you know. And I never advocated <clears throat> for any of us to retaliate. I just say let karma and let the gods take care of it. And a lot of times it did, but, you know, it's also having to deal with that mindset that a lot of bad things happen with people, like, for their kids and stuff. So it's like we have to have each other's backs. That's part of our path is, you know, whoever you meet along the way, if you like them, be there for them as much as you can. I'll do that for all the people that are in Raven Temple. And, and other auxiliaries and people that I know in town here that I would, you know, give them the shirt off my back. When we had the ice storm here years ago, my best friend, his wife, and their three kids slept in my living room through 14 days of no power. Yeah, the only thing we had in my house was we had working uh, natural gas. So we were able to cook and surprisingly able to take showers because hot water was always working and stuff. But, you know, so <clears throat> that was scary. The kids weren't, you know, necessarily used to. These were little ones. They weren't necessarily used to all the chaos with not no power and stuff like that and having to go around the neighborhoods and remove trees and, and you know, open up ways that people can get safely through the neighborhoods. Because Springfield got torn up bad. I'm talking very bad. I had no power in my house for 14 days. 
And even then, they had to come and change my electrical service box. And um, it went from a 40-amp service to a 100-amp service. And like a year later, that service was too hot for the wiring in the house. And my house caught on fire. I ended up having to call the fire department as my stuff burned in my living room. And then that same day, my best friend came up and... He was watching my house being put out by the fire department and he gets a phone call on his cell phone and it's his daughter calling to tell him that she got into a wreck on Battlefield and she was pregnant. Her friend stopped her from going through the windshield of the car and the car got totaled. Uh, it was Kristen's car. It was her first car, as a matter of fact. And they were out there. So the same day my house caught on fire, my best friend's daughter got in a kind of a major wreck. And so, but, you know, after all that hardship and stuff, you know, up until my best friend died, that was a whole other thing. But it was like we were there for our people, you know, through all of that stuff. You know, watching the kids go through school and dealing with weird things, you know, from the kids there it's like just don't you know don't go looking for trouble that's all i gotta say is you know go learn and stuff like that and be good to people when you're there but you know it's just like i think a kid should advocate to be be a little bit safe because you never know what schoolmates can do these days there's been some pretty wild stuff so it's like we gonna we want to make sure that our kids are safe too so that's our, you know, responsibility as parents and aunts and uncles and all that stuff. And I'm one of those people that I love kids. Pagan children are so sweet. They are innocent as driven snow, mostly. Except for the ones that kick in the shins, which I've been kicked in the shins a few times. Uh, it's like their innocence and their understanding, you know, telling the wee ones about the gods dancing through the forests as music played in the air, telling the myths of the gods and their powers and the stories that they did, you know, with their with their tribes and stuff like that. And the kids love it. They would play games about that stuff. There were pagan games that were dealing with, you know, the lore and stuff. And the kids did ring, real Ring Around the Rosie and everything, the pagan version of that. And it was just so beautiful the little ones are our future, you know. Nurture a pagan child and whatever their interests are, help them, man, because pagan kids rock. Believe me, I've known some very cool pagan kids. My best friend's God, his daughters, his sons, uh, my high priestess's daughter, her sons, just other people that I know that are families in town, you know, that have children and stuff. And it's just like, you know, here, that's one thing I like about the, the, this, the community that we have here is those that are, that are out there knowing each other and stuff like that. We communicate pretty well. We're able to, you know, if something goes on, we can get a hold of you pretty quick. Because we have those channels with, you know, the people that know different, you know, pagan groups and, and places, areas in town that have a lot of pagans living in it. So it's an idea of, you know, being able to 
keep in touch and things that's in, in, important like that. And it's like that's where you foster community when you're not afraid when you're not afraid to uh, uh, web weave, go spreading the the, the webs. Weaving, yeah, oh my god, web weaving is very important. A witch's network of knowing people, priestesses, and priests of different traditions, uh, authors, uh, other magical practitioners that you really want to keep in touch with. There's some really cool people out there, and that's one of the best ways to do it. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a couple songs back to back. And then we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode talking about a, as a journey. Of a witch. What it is, the journey of a witch. What we are going through. But yeah, we're going to give you...